Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. Corinthians chapter number three. First Corinthians chapter number three. And after you have found that, out of respect for God's word, if you would please stand as we read our text. First Corinthians chapter number three. Uh, let's read the text again, beginning in verse number four. And we'll go down to verse nine. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now, Lord God, that you would teach us your truth. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. One of the things that we need to always keep in mind in the church is to do what we can to stay unified. There's nothing more that the devil would like to do than to take a church and cause disunity to erupt inside that church. And most of the time, disunity is not caused over important things like cardinal doctrines. But most of the time, disunity is caused over people's egos being hurt, people's pride being hurt, people misunderstanding what people say or people misunderstanding or judging people's intentions. And so when all that plays into the church, if you're not careful, you've got disunity. I know that you all look forward every month to the second Wednesday of the month when we talk about church business. Jamie is extra especially excited for Wednesday because it will be his first time being able to vote. Trust me, brother, it's not that big of a deal. But I know you all look forward to that. And so I, wouldn't, I would not even begin to neglect you of the honor and privilege of sitting in a business meeting every month, so we continue to have those. Primarily because our bylaws say that we have to. But one thing that I can say with spiritual pride, not godless pride, but one thing that I can say that I am proud of, at least since I've been senior pastor, I can speak to this, is the unity that we have seen in the business meetings. I realize that the business meeting, some of the business that we've had to 
go over hasn't been pleasant, and I know that there have been some things that we have had to do in those business meetings that some of you didn't agree with, but you held your peace, and you kept unity in the church because that's the number one goal. The number one goal here is to, be, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever and be unified as a body and not worry about pushing our own agenda, right? Because if the devil can get a church to be uh, disunified, then the devil has won the victory. And if the devil has won the victory in the church and the church is disunified, then the, then the end result of that is the world looks on a Christless, godless church And why in the world would an unsaved person want anything to do with a godless, Christless, disunified body of believers? And so unity is paramount. It's tantamount that we maintain unity in the bonds of peace. And Paul, at the beginning of chapter 3, was talking to the church at Corinth about their lack of unity. And then he begins in verses 4 through 9 talking to them about the cures for unity. And we talked last week about the fact in verse 4 that there there needs to be some acknowledgement on our behalf. Some mental inventory, if you will, of of our own mindset and our own agenda and our, our own place in the church. And we saw last week that there needs to be an acknowledgement of our person where, where Paul says in, in verse number four, who for a while one saith, I am of Paul and another of Apollos, are you not cardinal? Paul says, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to divide yourself, if you're going to unify yourself over personalities, then that shows right away you're fleshy, you're carnal. And we don't divide over personalities. Folks, listen, there's only one thing that we divide on. What's that, church? What's that? What do we divide on? Truth. Are y'all afraid to speak tonight? Thanks, thanks, Jenna. The only thing we divide on is truth. We don't divide over personalities. And then number two, Paul said, we also there needs to be acknowledgement of our person, but there also needs to be an acknowledgement of our position. What are we? Verse five. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. And we saw last week that the word minister there is the same Greek word that's used for deacon in 1 Timothy 3, dikaianos, and it speaks about a servant. It's a table waiter. It's a busboy. I told the Sunday school this morning that my job here is to wait tables and just to serve you food and pray I don't spill it in your lap. And that's what we all are. We don't cook the meal. We don't prepare the food. We serve the food. And we need to realize our position. But let's go on in our text. We also, there also, not only must there be an acknowledgement of our person, an acknowledgement of our position, but there must be an acknowledgement of number three of our profession. There must be an acknowledgement of our profession. Look what Paul says in verse number six. He says, I've planted. Pretty simple. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the what? God gave the increase. Folks, listen, another way for us to cure and curb divisions in the church is for us to remember our God-given roles. Because just like Paul and Apollos, we all have specific God-appointed works to do. 
Paul's argument goes against the fact that we do not divide, we do not become disunified over personalities because again, verse 4, we're all just table servants, we're all just waiters, we're all just busboys. Nothing is to be revered, nothing is to be honored, especially at the expense of unity. Paul explains in verse 6, he says, I have planted. And Paul takes that straight from an agricultural scene. And here's the picture, church. Very simple. Very simple, but very illustrative. The farmer, now I'm not a farmer, so if you've got experience in farming, don't stop me now. Just let me continue in my ignorance just for a moment. The farmer takes the seed or the seedlings. And then to cause those seeds to germinate, the farmer or a co-worker will come along and supply the necessary water to take care of those plants in the field. The farmer does the job of plowing, fertilizing, weeding, cultivating, and spraying. But it is at that point, and that point alone, that the man's work stops. The point is, is that no matter how hard a man works, that farmer cannot make that seed grow. He can do everything right, but he cannot make that seed grow there are, because there are a number of factors that must be weighed in. He can't control the weather, can he? He can't control the sunshine. He can't control how the wind blows. He can't control if the rain falls. And consequently, he is unable to make those plants grow and is completely dependent on God to harvest the yield. You might want to keep that in mind next time you give somebody the gospel and you do not get the desired fruit that you want. Because folks, listen, the seed budding and the seed taking root is not our business, it is the business of God's. We are to be obedient Yes. We are to plant? Yes. We are to water? Yes. But at the end of the day, whether or not that seed is going to germinate is up to the sovereign hand of God. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, For it is given, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. There's two things that have been given, or karaziomai, it's been granted to us. That means that something's been graciously given. There's two things, in, according to verse 29, that have been graciously, graciously given to us, and that's the ability to believe, and that's the pleasure of suffering. And at the end of the day, folks, we plant, we water, and that's it. That's it. I want to look at a text with you. I don't have a slide on this, Wichita, so you don't have to worry about flipping it for me. But in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter number 4, I-, I, want you, I, want to, I want to read this to you. And um, kind of puts what, I, what we're saying in a little perspective. Mark chapter 4. Verse 26, and he said, so the kingdom of God 
as if, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. Isn't that interesting? And rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow. He knoweth not how. You see that? What's the farmer's job? And then what's he do after he sows seed? He goes to sleep. He goes what? He goes to sleep. And what happens while he sleeps? It grows. What's the point of Jesus? This is what I call the theology of sleep. You and I sow, and then we go to sleep. Because there's not a thing in the world we can do to cause our seed to grow. The Bible says, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a man who went and sowed seed and then went to sleep, and then when he rose, he, the seed has sprung up, and he doesn't know how. The reason it is is because God's in control of the seed taking root. Because it has been granted or given on the behalf of Christ to believe and to suffer. It has been given graciously. And so Paul says, I've planted. That's my job. Apollo's watered. That's his job. But God gave the increase. You know, in all reality, folks, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but in all reality, Brother Jerry, I don't know if I could survive if I thought that people's salvation depended upon me, depended upon me getting it right. That's a burden I don't think that I could carry. I don't think that I could live if I believed for one moment that people's salvation was dependent upon my charisma. Because believe you me, there's been some sermons I've butchered. But one thing I am, but one thing I am glad for is because God's in control, one thing I'm glad for in evangelism is guaranteed success. Because God's in control and not me. God's in control, not me. And so next time that we we're tempted to think a little bit more of ourselves than we should or perhaps tempted to think that nothing we're doing is doing any good, we need to remind ourselves that God's the one that gives the increase. God's the one that does that. God causes the seed to germinate, to germinate. Paul says again, I have planted, Paul has watered, and then you got that all important conjunction, but it is God that causes the growth. And just like in agriculture, just like the farmer is totally dependent upon anything, everything outside of himself to cause our seed to grow, we are totally dependent on God for the growth. And when it comes to spiritual growth in the church, it is God that's going to give the increase. We need to keep that in mind. 
We also need to keep in mind what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it what? Pleased him. God puts people in the body of the church as it pleases him. Not as it pleases man, but as it pleases him. And a cure for division in the church is for each person to be humbled by the fact that all of this deal is not about us. None of this is about us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, For by the grace of God I am what I am. It's not about me. It's not about what I've intuitively, subjectively done to myself. It's not about what I've claimed. It's not about what I've learned. It's not about what I've done. It's about what God is doing. And the growth of a church, the spiritual growth of a person, it's not about the charisma of the preacher or the spiritual growth of the people sitting in the pew. It's about God that gives the increase. And the moment we realize that we're nothing in the world but table waiters, that's a pride buster but a a unity bringer. We realize it's not about us. No matter the size, no matter the influence of the ministry, the growth is caused by God and God alone, right? In Psalm 62, verse 11, the psalmist says, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto who? God. It's His power. It's His strength. It's not ours. But the moment you and I think that it's about us is the moment we're in trouble. This this ministry is about the Lord Jesus Christ. The preaching from this pulpit is about the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the one of the there's there's two things, there are many things. But there's two vital things that, that I do not ever want to be engaged in. Okay? In regards to preaching, there are two things that I don't ever want to be engaged in. One is eisegesis. Okay? You say, what's that, Pastor? Well, eisegesis is putting into the text your own meaning. Bringing your traditions to the, to the meaning of the text. And I don't, want to, I don't want to be guilty of eisegesis. I don't want to bring my traditions to the text. But the second thing I don't want to be guilty of is what, is what we call in theology. It's not really a theological word. It's a, it's a word that you learn in pastoral, in pastoral theology or hermeneutics. I don't ever want to be considered or guilty of narcissus either. Anybody ever heard of narcissus? Narcissus is nor, narcissistic eisegesis. That's putting yourself into the text. Because this is not about us. This is not about us. This is about the Lord. This is about His Word. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth. And then sometime after that he left and when he went to Ephesus and and Apollos came to this fledging church and he supplied the water. But the point is, is that no matter what each man did the human work would have been in vain if God had not grown the work 
I like what Psalmist said in Psalm 127, verse 1, except the Lord build the house, what happens? They that labor in vain, they that labor do it in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Folks, we got to remember, it's not us. And I'm not so much preaching to you tonight, I want to encourage you tonight, because I got a feeling that some people here need some encouragement. That this deal is not about us. This church is not about us. You know, and I have to remind myself that almost every day. Especially when from a human standpoint, you don't see some things that you quite hope that you would see. But you have to always, and then you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, Huffman. God calls me Huffman. It's not about you. I know what I'm doing. You just submit to it. Because I'm the one that's going to give the increase. Because if the increase is because of you, it's vain and it's short-lived. But if I bring the increase, then it's lasting and it's spiritual. It's not about us folks it's about Christ somebody asked me some weeks after I became senior pastor of the church and I don't bring this up to for you to ask for you to come to me after church say yeah that's a good question I always wanted that myself well I'm gonna give you the answer so you don't have to ask me probably many people were wondering about it but only a couple people actually asked. And that was this. Well, Pastor, I noticed that you took the offering plaque down. Did y'all, anybody ever, did y'all notice that? Why? Well, for two reasons. Number one, we had to have a place to put the television. Right? We couldn't. <laughs> Jaina. I guess we know whether she noticed or not. But the real but the real but the real reason, and this is the reason, I did not want this ministry to be about the money. I did not want to be standing up here preaching to a group of people that are looking at how many people we had in church today and how many how much how big of an offering that we had. I'm not saying that it's ungodly to have an offering plaque up in your church. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying for me, in the way God has, God has formed my mind, I know for me, I didn't want this ministry to be about the money because it's not about the money. At least it better not be because the moment it's about the money, we're going down the tubes. It needs to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us, church. It's not about us. God gives the increase. God gives the increase. And I have to remind myself of that. I'm not preaching it to you. I'm, re- I'm reminding myself again. Believe me. Because I see things. I mean, as a pastor, I have, there are some things that, that, the, that 
the treasurer and my wife make me see and that I have to deal with and I have to remind myself this is the Lord's church and it's his business he gives the increase Paul planted Apollos watered but God's one that increased in John chapter 4 verse 36 and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may what rejoice together listen church it doesn't matter who planted and it doesn't matter who watered when that fruit germinates when that seed germinates both of you get a reward and both of you rejoice together this isn't a competition well he led more people to the lord than i did this is not a competition this is about two people doing the work of god and rejoicing at the success of god together unified inside the body of christ sitting back and doing our obedient work and watching God do His sovereign, miraculous deeds and then rejoicing together. We've had some moments of rejoicing together, haven't we? We've seen some people walk through those back doors that I never thought would have walked through a church again. We've seen people saved. We've seen people saved in our perspective, God saved them at just the last minute. But God saved them. And we were able to see that together. We were able to see God's increase together. And we were able, as, as John says in John 4, we were able to rejoice together over the fruit that God increased. It wasn't about the guy who planted or the woman who watered. It was about the fact that God is the one that gave the increase. It's about His work. Each person within the church are equal, and no one is more important than the other one. Our work stops, church, at sowing and watering. God gives us the ability to reap the harvest, but that's only after He has grown it up. I like what the prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 55, in verse 10, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven and, and returneth not thither. In other words, does it, the rain and the snow does why it's sent, what it's sent to do before it goes back up into the sky. But watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it will accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Folks, listen, you give the word of God, you don't have to worry about whether it's prospering or not. God has already blessed it. And God has already promised to give His increase if we give the word of God. This is our profession. Sowing and watering, but never increasing. Nobody gets saved because I'm the senior pastor of this church. Nobody gets saved because you are a member, you are an elder, you are a deacon, you are a trustee of this church. That's not why people get saved. People get saved because God, God gives the increase. People come here because God gives the increase. 
In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, and he is the head of the body, what? The church. You know, the Christians need to be reminded who the head of the church is. Some, you, you may think, well, why do certainly Christians don't need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Oh, yeah, we do. Because there are so many Christians that think that they run the church and the thing's happening because of them. They need to understand that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn, the prototokos. He is the superior one. He is the first in line that in all things he might have the preeminence. In verse 19 of Colossians 2, and not holding the head from which all the body and joints are, and bands have nourished, nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of who? God. Division in the church is cured when you and I realize our profession, that it's not about us. We're not the, we're not the agents. We're not the one that brings about the increasing. We're just the servants. We're just the servants. We all have different tasks. We all have different personalities. We all have different charismas. But we're all used by God, and He brings the increase because it is the power of God and the power of God alone. I like what it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. In fact, when Paul and Timothy first came to uh, Philippi, they went down by the river and they saw a group of people there that had been called together by a woman by the name of Lydia. She was a seller of purple. She was from the city of Thyatira. And she worshipped God and when she heard Paul and Paul makes this claim about this woman Lydia whose heart the Lord opened. Lydia wasn't saved because of the preaching of another evangelist. Lydia was, Lydia was saved because the Lord opened her heart. And that's how anybody is saved, is because the Lord opens the heart. And if the Lord doesn't open the heart, no one would get saved. The Lord has to do the opening. Because it's the Lord that does the increase. And He alone. Well, not only must there be an acknowledgement of our profession, but number four, there must also be an acknowledgement of our precinct. Our precinct. Can y'all see that? Zachary, you made that awful small. Oh, I did this slideshow, didn't I? The acknowledgement of our precinct. Verse 7. So then he, so, so then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth. But God that giveth the increase. <laughs> you know, if we didn't get the point in verse 6, we'll certainly get it in verse 7. The one that waters... And the one that plants, that's, that's you and me, we're nothing. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Pretty clear, isn't it? The Bible's pretty practical. If you think you're something when you're nothing, you're foolish. I like what the Greek word he says here in verse 7. So neither is he that planteth anything. I like the word anything is a Greek word tis. It's a, it's a real basic Greek word, but it has a very insightful meaning in classical Greek. Now one of the things you learn in Bible study is when you study the Greek language, you not only study Koine Greek, which is the language of, that the New Testament was inspired in, but you also get some insightful insight into class, the study of classical Greek, the Greek, the language that the folks actually spoke. 
uh, and still speak today in some measure because it gives us some insight into what the people would have understood. And I like, and I like the Greek word tis because it basically means, has two words in the classical Greek language, basic definition. Who or what? Does that make any sense? Well, let's put it in the vernacular of our, of our verse. In other words, the one who plants is who? Who? So insignificant, Paul says, that you don't even remember the human element. We are who? We're insignificant, folks. When it comes to God's work, we're insignificant unless he is doing the work. Jesus said in John 15, he says in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do most things. Nothing. Nothing. Verse 16 of the same chapter, ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you, and I've ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. It's not about you. I mean, it's almost like Paul is saying this, and using classical Greek. Michael, who? In the vast array of the spiritual significance, really it's Michael who? Because it's God's work, folks. It's God's work. We're but the tool. And praise God, we are the tool that God has chosen to use. That God could have chosen to use angels to evangelize the world, couldn't he? God could have chosen a myriad of, of other options to evangelize lost humanity, but he chose to use his own creation that he's redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ to redeem the world, but it's still all about him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's an earthen vessel? Literally, the Greek means a cracked pot. Replaceable, dispensable, worthless. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the, that the excellency of the power may be of who? God and not of us. You can be like Floyd Lawson on the Andy Griffith show and you can look in the mirror at yourself and call yourself a wretch. Or you can be biblical and look at yourself in the mirror and call yourself cracked pot. Because that's all we are. We're cracked pots. But God has placed his treasure in those cracked pots. Isn't that great? God in his goodness and sovereignty has taken the majesty and the, and the might of his message of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and he has placed it into cracked pots. Why? So that the power may be of God and not us. 
Because the best way for God to display his power is to put his, his treasure in someone that could never do it of their own self. What's one thing a cracked pot can do? Leak. That's it. It's like, a, it's like there's only one thing a dead man can do, and that's what? Stink. The only thing a cracked pot can do but le- is leak. And so God has put his glorious gospel in us to show that it's only by his power because we couldn't do it. And that's Paul's point. And it's God that gives the increase. Paul's in Galatians chapter 2, verse 26. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. Oh, really? What's Paul saying? Paul is saying in that context, I'll just give it to you. Paul's saying in the context that the 12 apostles are no better than me because God is the one that accepts the person. For, who, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me to glory in one kind of christian worker folks over the other is just as divisive and carnal as to glorify one leader above another first corinthians chapter 3 verse 21 the apostle paul says therefore let no man glory in men for all things are yours We need to realize that the glory belongs to God because it's His work and He gives the increase. In Matthew chapter 19, I'm going to skip Matthew 20, so keep going. Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore and jesus said unto him verily i say unto you that ye which have followed me in the generation when in, in the generation when the son of man shall sit on the throne of his glory ye shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel and every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Folks, we will all with equal equality inherit eternal blessing. I think I am going to go back and do that verse. So let's go back to Matthew 20. Well, you fast. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, Jesus tells this parable. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, and the point that I want to get across to this, folks, is, is the, the work is God's, the glory is God's, the increase is God. You and I are just the tools. You and I are just the busboys, but we're equal. No one is greater than the other. Okay? And this is the parable that Jesus is saying. He went out early in the morning and hired laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he sent out, and when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? This is the what hour? 
11th hour, how many hours in a work day? We've only got one more hour in a work day left. There's 12 hours in the Jewish work day. Okay, this is the 11th hour. But they said, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that ye shall receive. And when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a what? A penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a what? A penny. Hmm. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house. Taxes. Saying, these have wrought but one hour. And that was made them equal unto us, which had borne the burden of the heat all the day. And he answered unto them and said, Friend, I, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree for, with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way, and I, will, and I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with what is mine? Is thine I evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. What is one of the applications of that? People within the kingdom of God are equal, right? People within the kingdom of God are equal. People within this church, folks, are equal. And we need to always keep in mind our profession and our precinct. We're nothing in the world but table waiters. And nothing is done because we give the increase. The increase comes when God gives it. We are, Paul says in verse 7, we are nothing. We aren't anything at all. God is the one that gives the increase. And so a pride crusher and a unity bringer is when you and I realize that this thing is all about God. And not about us. It's not ever been about what we do. It's only about what God brings the increase. So next time you get tempted to cause some disunity, next time you get tempted to be a little ungracious, just remember that you, just like all of us, aren't anything apart from the grace of God. He gives the increase. Amen. Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the exposition of the Word of God was a spiritual blessing to you. Again, for more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www ebcmineral.com You can also find us on Facebook at EBC Mineral Our Lord's Day services are 10am and 11am Sunday morning and 6.30 Sunday evening We also have a Wednesday evening service at 6.30 We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that God's divine truth would be proclaimed always from the cross, through the church and to the world until Christ comes And now from all of us here at Emmanuel Baptist Church and Divine Truth, thank you so much for listening and please stay tuned for further episodes. God bless you.